Welcome to the She Will Shine podcast, where we bring you the real stories of female business owners. My name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine, a supportive business network for women. It's time to give a voice to women in business and discover their journey. Hi everyone and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast. Today we have a very special guest. How are you Antonella? I'm good Danielle, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. Antonella Safka is coming to us today from Dublin in Ireland and is an education-obsessed copywriter for, t- for coaches, trainers, and people who teach stuff. I love that, Antonella. You've got a nicely defined client there. You know, um, as I was saying, it, it, kind of, it kind of changes all the time, but it's a good start. I feel like I've now not expanded it but just like I think people that are passionate about what they do inspire me generally and I like to work with them and sometimes you know they might not be doing a course but they really they really believe in what they do like they might be an architect or an engineer and I'm just like I just get kind of high on their passion (laughs) and then they're my ideal client as well so yeah that makes sense of course it makes sense and obviously with what you've just said you obviously love what you're doing have you always had um, a love for writing and copywriting? I'm so glad you asked that because I listened to your interview with uh, Emma recently. Emma was yes. interview Emma McMillan. And I know that you have a love for writing as well. So I felt like already connected with you because of that. So yes, I have always loved writing and reading in particular. Reading was my thing. I never really... I think I was just hiding behind, oh, well, I can't be a writer, but but I am a writer, but I can't show my writing to anybody for like 30 <laughs> years, you know. Um, and I studied journalism and wrote at uni, obviously, um, but still couldn't really wrap my head around, you know, writing for a living. And then I worked in um, comms for many years, which was another way to hide kind of from your own writing. <laughs> But uh, slowly, I think, kind of took me here where I, you know, I write for a living things that I really like, um, that I'm interested in, and I follow my curiosity with my writing. So that's just, yeah, like, you know, how we can, we can be sort of um, mean to ourselves, but really when you stop to think about it, I'm, I'm really in a place where, you know, I wouldn't have thought 20 years ago, <laughs> work-wise, yeah. so, yeah. That's true that we can be, like, we're our own worst critic. Mm, and it takes yes. like I don't think we fully ever well in an ideal place we would get rid of that but there's always that little niggling voice mm. that's going to say I'm not good enough so I guess that's why we yes. do what we do and we surround ourselves with people mm. that believe in us and support us and are passionate about what we're doing and we can work together with them yes yeah and it's um, I guess talking to other people and friends, it's, it's good to get that perspective. Hey, wait a minute. Like, don't compare yourself to the person yesterday or last week. Like, you know, think about how far you've come in, you know, in a year or two years or five years and just like always try to keep that perspective in mind. I think that's important. And yeah, surrounding yourself with people who remind you of that. Yes, uh, that always really helps. Helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I mentioned earlier, you know, you're now living in Dublin, but that wasn't always yeah. the case. We didn't no, meet in no, exactly. Gosh, I miss our, our real life, um, you know, in-person events. You're the ones you organise. We'll, we'll come um, to Ireland one day. We'll get there. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about how to make this 
<laughs> how to bring some of Melbourne here apart from me. Yeah, so we, my partner is Irish and we were planning to, we're both quite intrepid. Um, and even though we have a four-year-old, we always wanted to travel a bit more, be closer to family, um, I guess experience more of Europe because we both moved quite young to Australia and we, you know, you don't really have time to travel all around Europe when you come visit family. So we wanted to first initially take a sabbatical, which we couldn't because because of COVID. <laughs> and then um, six months ago or seven now, we sold our house and decided to move here for the foreseeable future and give it a, a good go a few years. Um, and yes, here we are. I feel like we, we were prepared for, I guess, a sort of hardship, you know, living behind friendships, connections, a routine, all the comforts that, you know, um, I guess Melbourne is, you know, is unique and special. <laughs> um and you know that um but yeah I think like the, the shock of the real life experience is still kind of you know within us uh but it is getting more interesting and better by the day so um yeah it, it's I value like the other day I came across I think a newsletter or something that asked that, that was proposing um will you regret being here or something like that and I feel like no I really don't I think I would regret not having moved and not having even though it's really really difficult challenging in many ways I really this is exactly what where I wanted to be like facing this you know readjusting making new friends or trying to make new friends and finding our, our place again so yes. yeah yeah I think that's really like it's, it's really brave but it's also like you know, we all have that, what if we do this and what if we do that? And so many of us don't take that step. That's 100% it, Danielle. That's it. It's the what if. I feel like imagining myself back in Melbourne, I, I really, we both really wanted to do this. And if we hadn't, you know, and it's risky, I guess you sell your house. We don't like here, it's a whole different landscape in many ways, like rents and everything else. Um, but yeah, the, the what if I think would have, would have, yeah, legal dust for yeah. quite a long while. So, yeah. So you're born in Romania, is that correct? Yes. Yes, in Romania. So I moved to Australia, I think, when I was about 21. Um, yep. And my accent is a bit of a mingle of, you know, I think Irish people sometimes think, think I sound Australian. Australians think I have a heavy <laughs> accent. <laughs> you know, it's just all over the place. It's a beautiful combination. <laughs> um, but yeah, but yes, thank you. Thank you. I, I'm trying to, to learn to love it. Um, but I, I spent yeah, a lot of like, I feel like all my adult life in Australia. So it's really, <laughs> I could say I identify as, <laughs> as Australian in many ways. Yeah. So it feels like it, it, even though like we moved from it, like it feels like home that or home that we might return to at some point. Yeah. Yeah. whatever the foreseeable future holds yeah. yeah beautiful I know and at the moment you said you're living with your in-laws and yes. you're working in their garage which I think that's a beautiful garage right there it's a lot nicer than what mine is let me tell you oh it used to be so it used to be um so um Irish people don't really use garages like as soon as they have a garage they convert it into a room so until we uh, arrived this was a room but a kind of a, a, like a, a room where they put everything all the, the I guess you know storage I guess room uh, and they've done some things with it to make it a bit more uh, usable for us which is really nice of them but I'm really grateful that for the room I mean really 
at least I have a space and I'm not working from the bedroom like my partner is. He's working from the corner of the bedroom because everyone's still working from home. So, you know, I, I work from strange places. <laughs> from the oh, laundry. That's what I was going to mention, the laundry. <laughs> so during the pandemic in, when you were living in Melbourne, you wrote a beautiful piece about working in your laundry and owning your laundry as your space because your space was invaded by your family. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yes, I think, I mean, I'm sure lots of people felt this, lots of people who work from home felt this invasion as much as I did because, you know, you're used to having the place to yourself, nine to five or whatever the, the time when the family is out. And then everyone was working from home and it doesn't feel like your, your workspace anymore. So I had to find a refuge and the only space in our, in our home in Melbourne that was, you know, I could close the door to um, was the laundry. And it was, you know, like a generous laundry. <laughs> so we, we fitted a desk in there. And um, yeah, it, it gave me so much peace and and. And I, for a while I hated it, but then I really learned to appreciate it because, you know, sure, it wasn't pretty, but it gave me that quiet and and that door was really <laughs> instrumental in, you know, keeping me sane. So, yeah, I did write a, an article ode to it. <laughs> it's a beautiful piece yeah. and it's on, is it SBS? Is that where it's on? SBS Voices, yes. SBS Voices. So if you want to Google Antonella Safka and SBS Voices, you will find um, a beautifully written piece that I really, like, it was funny because it was all during the pandemic and we can all relate. So I think it was just so instrumental mm -hmm. in kind of voicing how we're all, all the people who already worked from home pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. how we're all feeling about having suddenly these people in our spaces like they, our loved ones but still these yes. people in our spaces when we we crave the solitude like I crave my solitude during the day oh my goodness yes Danielle I yes I have to say though I envy your beautiful working space but still yours is that right it is so I, I was a first brief period of time during the first lockdown I let my husband have it but then I, I took it back second lockdown. I said, no way, it's mine. You're not having it. It's um, for those who don't know, I work in a, um, I call it my she shed, which is just a small bungalow type thing in my backyard. So it's only oh, three or four metres from my back door. But just it's the door. It's having a door and being able to yes. close it. That makes all the difference. Oh, my gosh, yes. I think everyone's dreaming of a she shed or however they want to call it. That's what... Um, yeah, and something else, I feel like now the extra step is something outside the house that you can and then return into the house. That must, do you feel like that kind of adds some extra oh, I don't yes. know, separation between the spaces? Yeah, it? it does. Like I finish work when I close the door. Like when I <laughs> when I take those few steps into my house, it's like that's the that's my mm -hmm. kind of um, wind down, like, yep, finished work. Off I go into the house. Yes. Like we used to get. I used you to have a that, commute. Like, you have a commute right. a few steps. <laughs> that's why I used to feel it when I was in the city and I'd walk from, you know, from the office to the train station coming home. That was my kind of, poof, I'm done for the day. Yeah. And now I have that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And it kind of helps with the, like you said, the separation mm -hmm. um, physically yeah. but mentally as well. I agree, yes. I think it's something called, the, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the third space. So between work and home, you need something. And normally it's a commute or something where you kind of like start unwinding and thinking 
you know, kind of like closing the loop, the, the sort of open tabs on your work um, and just preparing for for family life or whatever, whatever, you know, home means to you. So yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that you have those few steps. <laughs> as soon as I open the door to the house, then it's like, hey, mom, blah, 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 where's this? <laughs> Hang oh on, not God. ready, not ready. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll walk around the block and then I'll come home. <laughs> yeah. That's probably not a bad idea. It's a good idea. I might try that. I'll think of you when I do. <laughs> but, and so now, as we said, you moved six, seven months ago um, across to Europe. How has your business kind of transitioned with that move? Yeah, so it's interesting. I haven't actually thought much about it, but I guess it, it hasn't changed much. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the, those are the benefits of um of having a portable business, I suppose. Of course, I have to work sometimes strange hours. So that's probably the, the biggest difference. But I'm also now a bit more accessible to US clients, which I, I, I was, but I wasn't before. Um, so I've attracted a little bit more of that. I mostly work with regular clients. And oh, and the other amazing thing, which, <laughs> which happens because I'm located in Ireland. So as I, I, I write, I guess, um, journalism and essays and things like that so I'm now kind of launching into travel writing as well so I'm working with some Australian editors writing articles about Ireland and now Nashville I'm heading to Nashville oh, next beautiful week. so so there's adding another dimension to my writing yes <laughs> and the that. opportunity yes yeah so it's really yeah it's, and and other than that my copywriting clients it's going really well I feel like like being in a different space and different location you come up with a different perspective as well because um I think being in that space surrounded I, I don't know I mean I still have obviously access to, to newsletters and emails from everybody else and sales copy but I think even being in a physical different physical space can um, expose you to different ideas and different ways of seeing things. So I think that's helpful for my clients. Um, and they've all been really loyal and supported me for the move as well. So that's really, really lovely. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm so great. Fantastic, yeah. And I guess that's the beauty, isn't it, of doing, like being a service-based business for starters is you can mm -hmm. move your business, like you can move your workspace, you can move your business. Oh my gosh. And it doesn't make that much difference to the day-to-day accessibility of clients and emails and things like that that you, you need on a daily basis it really doesn't yeah and one thing that I've learned from um someone uh, I spoke to an, another podcaster uh just as a chat i make it sound it's her name and um she mentioned oh she had an out of office that was was saying something about uh replying with intention but in her own time and I and I then I adopted the same thing because I felt like that's so important. I like sometimes I I felt a little bit pressured. Oh, I have to reply to to clients right away. You know, I don't want them to feel neglected because I've moved and I'm now 24 hour or whatever in a different time zone. And I don't think they did. It's probably something more than I imagined. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but right. anyway, I just wanted yeah. to make it clear. And I had that out of office and that. Uh, yeah, that made me feel better. <laughs> and I think it also set the expectation that I don't, basically, I'm not on my email all day, replying emails all the time. And, and the work that I do is generally, I, I guess, no one's waiting to hear from, from me all the time, like you like you are when you're in a nine-to-five job, like you're probably yes. a little bit yeah. more espoused to your email. Uh, whereas my work is not like that. And I was coming with probably with that mindset in this business still. I kind of had a little bit of that. 
Um, so yeah, it was good having that out of office to kind of just set expectations and 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 uh, communicate that that you know I work yeah. strange hours and I'm I won't reply immediately because it's just not doesn't work for me yeah. for business. And so I received that email just recently when we were communicating about something. Yeah. Um, and I really liked it because like I'm like what you said. I'm still. I think I'm still reactive, not proactive, if that mm -hmm. makes sense, when emails come through. Yeah. And it's like, I've got to reply mm -hmm. straight away. But often if I do, I'm like, I think about it later, go, oh, I should have said this. Or oh, actually yes. when you have more time to think about it, oh, I should have, whatever the thing is, but you've had a few minutes or well, probably an hour or two to kind of sit on it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, I yeah. forgot to say blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh, Daniel. Yes, I'm like, yes, I feel like this is my... My strategy as well not that I always apply it uh but I feel like sitting with something whether you write something or reply to something it's the most the best thing that you can do I feel like um just walk away from it okay you've seen what you have you know what the request is or whatever just let it kind of simmer so there is also this um I think it's called the Zagarnik effect <laughs> it's um so basically your work let, let's say you start working on a problem um and then you drop it for a little bit, you do something else, your brain is still working on it, even though you, you have no awareness of it. And then you kind of, it progresses it without you even, you know, thinking about it consciously, Trying, and then you yeah. come back to it. And like you said, that the thing that you said happens, it's like, oh, I have these other things to say now. And I, you know, I have another solution that might work better or whatever it is. So um, I guess it's like, it's a type of productive procrastination or whatever you want to call it, but just, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> I like let that. your brain work on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so Let's true. I, I like that. I'm mm. going to use that. <laughs> but I also <laughs> like the idea of having that in the email, like actually mm. having those expectations on the other end, yeah. um, I guess, known. Yes, yes, absolutely. That because that's what's hard. You you know, if you don't communicate it, you might imagine I mean, people might not have expectations from you, but who knows? Like you imagine. I feel yeah, like for right. a little while, I was so when I moved, I was so um, worried about this. Oh, is the client have I forgotten anything? Is the client? So I, I I had the phone in the bedroom with me at night, and I would oh you know if I couldn't sleep or something, I would check my phone. <laughs> And I, and I thought, this is not, this. I was so, like, I was just so wired. Imagine, like, checking in. <laughs> That's not a good idea. Um, but for a little while, I did that. And then uh, it was clearly not working. It was just, it was, it had me on all the time. So yeah. that's when I implemented this, this out of office. And well, not another office, but I, I guess an autoresponder. And also, I don't take my phone in the bedroom anymore at all. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm a big believer in not doing that too. Yeah, it stays on my kitchen bench yeah. all night. Um, yeah. one thing I did want to ask you was mm -hmm. how you kind of made the decision to start your own business. I know you were freelancing for a little mm -hmm. while. How did the kind of decision-making process start and how long ago was that? Yeah. So, um, how many years now? Four and a half. Yeah. About four and a half years, which is how old my daughter is. And I'm sure a lot of women and she will shine or beyond yes. will relate to that decision you make when you have a child um, I mean it's, some of it is probably logistics because you need more time you need different time you need flexibility etc but I think it was more than that for me it was like a mindset shift it was like I've been wanting to do this thing all my life I've been wanting to write and what am I doing not doing it? how can I raise a child 
and what am I going to tell her? Oh, mommy wanted to do this thing, but uh, she's never done it because, and I didn't have a reason. And I just felt yeah. like, what kind of role model can, can I be for her? If I don't just try this thing, at least try it, fail, but try. So um, I had a lot of energy. Um, I think it was also probably part of me was kind of a self-preservation because like there was like a transition to a, I guess, uh, a mother identity or a new identity, you shift. And then I was also trying to hold on, hang on, I've got all these other things in my brain that I need yeah. to, you know, my writing is important, my work is important. Uh, but I knew that work had to look somehow differently. Um, so I started doing something while I was still on maternity leave. Um, and I, but before that I had done like, you know, I had done courses, writing courses all my life, but never really did anything with them. Um, and I had done a freelance feature writing so journalism course. And I think I had probably tried pitching some articles, but didn't, weren't, wasn't successful. And I just, oh, I just thought like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And then I started blogging. I was doing a, a slow fashion blog for a little while, while I had, while I was at home on maternity leave. And then um, I got a writing partner uh, who was kind of in the same life stage um, as me. And we started pushing each other in a sense like I guess motivating and we started pitching together well separately but together um, and I started getting some commissions small ones but obviously it wasn't enough to kind of move okay I'm going to do this from now on uh, and one of my writing coach coaches said why don't you just do one or two pitches at a time to like newspapers or magazines and then try to um, I guess make a living out of writing in another way uh, you know, she was suggesting content at the time and that's how I started. But I quickly, very quickly left that behind because I don't, it wasn't for me. So yeah. I feel like the con, yeah, it, it wasn't the right. And then I discovered copywriting. Just, I don't know, I think accidentally really it was probably people that I previously worked with asked me to write website copy or something like that. So then I returned to my part-time, to my job part-time and I still kept uh, my business going for two days, but it was just, it was so, I was so enamored with it. <laughs> I, I, would, I couldn't wait to leave my job altogether and just do this. Um, so I started doing more and more copywriting and now just trying to find a balance between journalism and I guess curiosity fueled pieces because that's where my writing is about. I guess when I'm, I'm curious about a lot of things and then I want to write about them and pitch. And then um, I also want to work with interesting people that bring those ideas to me and then I have to write copy for them. So it's just, yeah, I guess it's like curiosity is the theme. Yes. <laughs> and I just yeah. explore it in different ways. Um, and I really like that. I'm sorry, I, like, I'm like, I'm just, this is a really long answer, but I like no, that. No, that's balance. right. That's what podcasts are all about, long answers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, the balance that I'm kind of finding now between this, freelance um journalism if you want to call it that um and copy so I feel like I'm in a sweet spot now I feel like it's it's, it's feeling really good <laughs> that's awesome I love how you actually had the thought process of you wanted to be a role model for your daughter because I think mm. when I look at kind of my own journey I don't think it started from that I think that's come later and I'm like really proud of what I'm mm. doing because of that but it wasn't something yeah. that I consciously thought about at the beginning of my journey, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. I think like probably for a lot of people, it, I don't know why it was that for me. It was probably a niche that I had for a while. And then suddenly this, you know, becoming my mother is like, what am I doing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just became really obvious to me. And it also gave me a lot of 
drive, which I didn't really, I didn't think I was driven before. Yeah. And, uh, yeah so it was surprising. And I, I had to kind of go with it because, you know, you don't get those chances very often as in like, yeah. you don't, you know, often have that level of energy. But um, so you feel like that, you feel like now you realize that this is kind of means a lot more than flexibility for you as well. That's right. I think in time it's kind of become the, when you're kind of looking at how the world is progressing, you know, with um, mm. gender equality and things like that. And though it's a slow progression, it's like, well, how does that start at home? How do we yeah. give our give our kids the 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 vision of this is this is how it could be and these are the steps to get there? So yeah, it wasn't something yeah. though that I maybe it was less you know because I've been working for myself for now. She was shine seven years old, but I've been working for myself for about fifteen years, and yeah. so there wasn't much discussion about it back then. Yeah. Whereas now there's a lot of open discussion, which is great. It's bringing a lot of attention to it. So. Yeah, but one thing I wanted to just touch on something because you used a word that mm-hmm. in when you were talking about that you used the word that you you know you weren't technically you didn't think you were a driven person, mm-hmm. but then this came yeah. along and suddenly you were really motivated to do it. And I wonder if that's because when people think, oh, you're very driven and you're you know very motivated and very passionate, you kind of think about you know like the stereotypical entrepreneur who's like out there so. and aiming for a six-figure business and, you know, mm-hmm. marketing this amazing course for six figures and blah, blah, blah. And it's like that's not who you identified with, do you think? Mm. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah. I don't know if, I think it's what drives you, What yeah, what drives people is different. Um, and sometimes you might, yeah, like that's probably what was happening to me. I was, I thought that I wasn't driven because I didn't, see myself maybe achieving those things but also kind of working hard for those things they were not what motivated me yeah that's not what you um, wanted yes yeah but I didn't also didn't I felt I probably thought it didn't know I didn't know what I wanted what what happened I think in my work uh for like 15 years or however long I can remember now I worked in the university sector in communications and it was great and everything you know great teams and everything but the work didn't didn't fuel me didn't you know it just didn't it didn't work for me and uh we did this uh I forgot what it's called but we they had a coach in and we did some uh profiles I can't even remember what the test was and um I identified that I was low on drive but I mean knew this already like it was like one of my weaknesses or something like that or maybe I had spotted it and I said to the coach I feel like I have a problem because I feel I don't feel driven (laughs) because I guess I saw other people like you're saying I was looking at you know people that kind of progressed and applied to be a manager and whatever and leadership positions and I feel like well I'm I'm just not I can't do I'm not like that (laughs) yeah you haven't quite um, found your thing yet Yes, exactly. And the coach said exactly the same thing. What about what things do you do that you're passionate? Whatever. I can't remember how the discussion went because it was many years ago. But basically, she explained to me, this is not what motivates you. When you are motivated, you are driven. That's You just need to follow the things that motivate you. And I think like even like I didn't I didn't know how to step out of that for a very long time after that conversation. And, but obviously it found me eventually. Yeah, <laughs> the thing found me and I. That's right. Yes. It's like you opened a little can of worms and then suddenly it, it, um, it showed mm-hmm. itself. Yes. And I think the more it's like, uh, I don't know, motivation begets motivation or whatever. Yeah. It's like the more you kind of fuel it, the more you get it and the, the drive kind of um, 
yeah, rises. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any thoughts? Because I started my business, but I had never wanted to start my own business. As in, I started it out of a need mm-hmm. for flexibility and things like that around my family. But as yeah. a young person or as a university student, I never pictured myself running my own business. Did you ever think that you would? No, gosh, no. I mean, I didn't have any role models examples around me. That's, you know, that's that's another thing. Um, running a business, it just felt like so out of character for someone like me. I don't know why, you know, I guess I guess I didn't, the traits that I was seeing someone who would run a business were very different from the traits I perceived about myself. Uh, so it's like, even now, even to this day, it's like still redefining what that means to me and kind of coming to terms that I am that kind of person that starts a business. <laughs> Um, but yeah, probably like, did you have many role models around you? Like, was that part of like, um, why you didn't picture yourself? No, I, like not like my immediate, none of my immediate family ran their own businesses. My parents didn't run their mm. own businesses, but I did have like uncles who had businesses, but I just mm-hmm. never the thought it wasn't even like a conscious decision. It was the yeah. thought never crossed my mind, I guess, maybe in high school at the time, maybe different now in high schools, but at the time. Like the process was you work hard in high school, you get into the uni degree that you want to get into and then you get a job. Like that yes, was all, absolutely. there's a three steps. Once we've done that, see you later, you're on your way kind of thing. Exactly. And, and I you're expected, set. yeah, I expected my career. So as you know, I was a designer before. I expected my career to be my lifelong career. Mm-hmm. And I expected to be working for someone else that whole time. Like I didn't think that yes. I could even do that yeah. for myself. I definitely relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it's such a, such a huge shift, isn't it? And it takes a lot of courage. And I reckon that's what kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of uh, generates a different kind of self-confidence when you, when you take that step. And it might not be fully conscious because I feel like a lot of us started freelancers. No, we don't have a business, we're just freelancers. But then it's like, no, you actually do have a business. Yes, and, you know, yes. you just find yourself, oh, how did this happen? Um, okay. <laughs> um, isn't it yeah yeah I don't know if it's kind of circumstance well it is circumstance in my um situation but it's kind of like circumstance kind of starts the ball rolling and then it kind of starts Mm -hmm. moving a bit quicker and you're like hang on a minute I could do this and I guess like you said taking that first step does take that courage and there's a lot of um well there's a lot of personal development that goes along with running your own business which I had no idea about I just thought Mm -hmm. just going to run a business around my kids that's I'm so glad that you brought that up the personal development I think that's one of my favorite things about running a business I feel like it's like it's constant you know life university like running a business because you're I don't know you're constantly challenged in ways that you're not um I mean there's nothing wrong of course it's great being employed as well and for some people it works better than for others but I feel like I've done so much learning about myself in particular (laughs) um since I started this like it's just I don't know, constant um, re-understanding myself and my reactions and and how do I want to grow in which direction and not just uh, in terms of, I guess, skills and what do I want to learn, but uh, I guess my reactions and, uh, yeah, like my personality and everything, like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing Um, the amount of growth, like personal growth, Mm-hmm. that kind of accompanies I know um I think I've spoken about it before it's kind of like you know we 
we struggle to achieve this goal and then we get there and then we have, okay, this is good. But we go through the growth. As the business grows, we go through that growth ourselves. Like, okay, getting to that goal means I have to do X, Y, and Z. I might have to put myself out there in a way I've never done before. Mm -hmm. Um, I might have to have difficult conversations that I've never had before. And so you kind of get to that step and then you get there and it's all rosy and then you're like, hang on a minute, I want to go over there now. I want to get to that step. And it's like you go through the process again. 100% yes yeah Uh, it's yeah I mean I I want to say it's enjoyable but it's not always enjoyable (laughs) Uh, but it's still like it's like what I said at the start of our conversation Um, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else like it's really hard you know going through this moving countries same with running a business like it's really it's challenging every day in different ways and you you have to adapt and you have to be agile but it's so yeah, it's really challenging, but it's so interesting and it's so I feel privileged to to have the opportunity to do this, to learn in this way. And I'm wondering, does your have you like passed on your love for reading to your daughter? Is she oh love gosh, books? I hope so. My gosh. Oh, it's like it would be heartbreaking. I mean, you know, she's only four and a half, so we read every night and um I, I noticed that also doing storytelling on her own as well. So she would just um, pick up a book. Obviously, she can't read, but she would just tell the story or reimagine it in, a, in her own way, which really fills me with gladness. Oh I'm, I'm just getting all warm yes. and fuzzy with that one too. Yes. I know, I know, but of course I can't, I mean, and and I'm also kind of resisting pushing it on her in any way, I mean, at this stage, she's really interested in stories, which is lovely, I mean, it's probably typical to, to being a four and a half year old, Um, but we'll see how it goes, like, I don't, you know, it's something that she has, to. because I feel like both reading and writing are things that you have to discover yourself, if someone pushes them onto you, it just, it's not going to be a love. So like with most things, isn't it? You have to find them yourself. So yeah, <laughs> hopefully she does. It's true. My yeah. kids are now um, t- almost 13, 12 and nine. And mm-hmm. my son, he ha- he's just started seven. He came home the other day and he goes, mom, I joined the book club. Like, oh, I was so excited because I used to be in the book club. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got some creative writing workshop coming because mama signs up for the creative writing workshop and I'm, oh wow. this is and i'm trying to kind of you know I yeah sure whatever good for you <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. yeah fantastic but there's the thing is like because i was always the kid with the head my head stuck in a book mm-hmm. and i just think mm-hmm. now i don't do as you know the creative writing i don't do now but i kind of do it for work purposes mm-hmm. and i think it has really helped so much in the way I communicate and in the way I have ideas and all these sorts of things that I contribute to this love of books and this love of knowledge yeah. that you see passed on. And it's the most beautiful thing to see your kids then discover that again on their own. Oh, yeah. I agree. Gosh, it's, yes, it's beautiful. And yeah, I look forward to when Dalia is uh, your kid's age <laughs> to see how yes. she, how she picks up stories and writing and anything if she does hopefully but it's yeah, yeah it's, it's a beautiful of, thing to to pass on genetically you know <laughs> plant the seed and then watch sit back and watch it bloom as they say hopefully yes yes yeah, yeah. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Well, it's morning here, Antonella, but it's quite late at night yep. where you are. Yes. Oh, Danielle, this is this was a fantastic way to bookmark the day, to end the day for me. So it was a lovely chat. It was so, yeah. I mean, I miss Australian conversations in particular. So I really appreciate the chat and the time. Oh, any, I'm always available. Next time we're going to have to record our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, yeah. Thanks so much, Antonella, and thank you to everybody for joining us today. We will see you next time on the She Will Shine podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode of the She Will Shine podcast, we invite you to check out shewillshine.com.au. She Will Shine is the essential support network you need to grow a thriving, meaningful business. We can help you grow your network, connect and develop genuine relationships, be supported and support others in building and growing a successful business on your terms. Say goodbye to working alone and become a member at shewillshine.com.au.